Well, good morning. My name is John Allen. Welcome to Risen Church. <laughs> um, we are so thankful. I am so thankful for uh, the KOA for allowing us to come here and put this on. Can we give them a hand? Um, we're so thankful for this. And, and I also, can we also give a hand to all the teams and the people that have put this on? This has been fantastic. It's been setting up things uh, and, and just getting things ready. So we've got a lot of plans for you today. We've got a lot of fun things planned today. Again, we've got barbecue, we've got pumpkin painting, we've got all kinds of fun things. So um, I am excited about all of what we're doing. Uh, but before, and I know you just sat down, but that's all right. We can, we can do this. Before we get started here, I want to stand for the reading of God's word. I love to stand. So you, have, you would stand with me. It's just a posture of understanding and, and sort of a reverence for the word of God. Amen. So we're going to be in um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26 today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can open and turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12 through 26. If you've got your smartphone, you can scroll there. Uh, you can find there's tons of different Bible apps. There's a Bible app called YouVersion. It's free. I encourage the ESV, it's English Standard Version. Uh, you can look there, or if you just want to Google 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26, it'll come right up also. Um, and so, yeah, so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26. Here we go. Verse 12, it says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, Slaves were free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So, as a church, we've been walking through this particular passage or this particular chapter in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 12, and it actually is talking about the unique ways in which the Holy Spirit manifests within the life of a local church, and, and it does so in and through very different individuals. 
And so in the midst of a season where our culture or society is actually like saturated in things like ghosts and death, we as a church are immersing ourselves in the Holy Ghost and abundant life. Amen? And so as we've walked through this section in 1 Corinthians, the theme has actually been about unity in diversity, oneness and yet not sameness, many diverse parts and yet one unified body in Christ. And so our passage today is actually a perfect passage for a church-wide event like this one, right? Like I was thinking about doing a big object lesson today since we're outside and I could kind of make a mess of things and then we just hose it off and it would be a big deal. Um, but I don't, I, I actually, as I was thinking through it, I'm like, I don't, we don't actually need to do that because the truth is that you are, we are the perfect object lesson for this passage. Like we're all living and breathing illustrations and I would even say fulfillments of what we've just read. Like we're gathering together today as one local church body with many different parts and members partnering together as an expression of the body of Christ. And so I want to give you these spiritual glasses. I want to give you kind of gospel glasses to see what it is that we're participating in and that it's way more than just a fun social event. Like it's way more than just a few songs that we sing or, or meeting new people or playing fun games and eating good food. It's way more than any of that. that all that stuff is great, right? Like I'm looking forward to some barbecue. It's going to be good, right? But it's all way deeper than that. Like lots of groups gather and do things, right? There's a lot of social groups you can gather with, but that doesn't make it a church. There's something special. There's something significant about what's happening. There's something deeper going on here. We're a gospel-centered, spirit-filled, local church body. We're the body of believers. We're the body of Christ. It's not just an event that we attend. It's a people we belong with and partner on mission with. And each and every one of you has a unified and significant, say significant, part to play. Whether you are part of the setup team or whether you are part of the volunteer teams that help set all of this up, you have an extremely important role to play here even today. And so when we gather together, it's important to lean into the Spirit of God who unites us all in this in order to kind of tap into something way greater than any single one of us. Remember, this isn't about you. This isn't about me. It's not about any one individual. This is about the glory of Jesus Christ. This is about his great purpose on the earth. But the way that he's chosen and preordained to accomplish his great mission on the earth is through the unified love of Christ in and through the local church. Also known as the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't care about every single individual, right? In fact, as we see in this passage, he's intimately concerned with each and every person. And because he is, because we know that he's concerned with me, even on an individual level, he knows me better than I know me. He created me. And because he knows me, because I know that he loves me, 
I can lean into that deep security and now my life can be others oriented instead of just looking out for me and being self-centered. But that can only come through a security that comes in Christ alone. This isn't like a self-help book to give you more self-esteem. This isn't about giving you more self-esteem or less self-esteem. This is about God-esteem that gives you the security then to esteem others because he's now flowing in and through you. And so whether you're an official partner here with Risen Church or just a regular attender, or maybe this is you, your first time, maybe you're a first-time guest, I want you to know that what we're doing here is about way more than just songs, bouncy blobs, and barbecue, right? I love it all. It's all fantastic. But this is about the presence and the power and the purpose of the creator of the universe. This is, the, this is about enjoying Jesus and pointing each other to him. And so, like kids, when you're petting the animals, yeah, we're going to have a petting zoo. It's going to be great. But when you're petting those animals, I want you to think about how creative God is. Not just how cool that animal is, but that God created this animal this way, the same God that created you. Look how cool is that? And then, and, and, and then when we play those games and we paint those pumpkins, like let it be a reminder of how the creator has put his unique fingerprint on each and every person. Like when you see the different ways those pumpkins are painted, I hope they don't all just look the same, right? Like there's something powerful about just the diversity in how God has done things and made up his body. But inevitably in this world, though, like it can be hard to appreciate those things. It can be hard to lean into unity and community, especially gospel community, because we often have to deal with sin. Sin is a real thing. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're still dealing with it. I don't know if you knew that or not. I hope you do. Right? These barriers, these obstacles, they enter our hearts and minds with these distractions or these drawbacks that keep us from entering into this kind of God-glorifying community. Like it, it may come in the form of insecurity or offense. That, that thing that just rattles in your head and heart and you just can't get past it. It may come in the sense of, of pride or fear or suspicion or, or oversensitivity or, or things that tend to toward division and isolation. Like we all battle these things because we all battle with the tendency to lean into our flesh rather than the Spirit of God. And so when the local church comes together in this like God-glorifying unity, you've got an enemy. You've got an enemy who hates you you got an enemy who hates this. The devil hates this. You know why? Because this spirit-filled local church has the same authority to dethrone the enemy in our city and in our lives as Jesus himself has. Think about that. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to us in Christ as his great commissioned people. So you know what the enemy does? He doesn't cast spells over people. Like he doesn't make you do things that you don't want to do. 
It's not like, oh, well, the devil made me do it. Right? He simply entices our fleshly, self-centered nature. That's what he does. Like, it's not about, like, heads spinning around in circles. Right? It's about isolating. That's what he loves to do. He's scared to death of this mess, and he hates it. And I should say mess. It's not a mess. This is a message. Amen? Amen. So you, you may actually have already experienced this today. On the way here. Maybe this week. Maybe you almost didn't come because this was an inconvenience. Right? I mean, when you do things like this, inevitably it's like, oh, man, i got to walk across a field to get to church. Right? You'd be surprised how many people just say, ah, I'm staying in bed. Like, maybe you thought fellowship, food, and fun, like, that doesn't seem that important. Like, I'll just wait for next week, and then I can kind of slip in and out and not have to talk to people and just, you know, learn about the Bible. But guess what? That Bible is pointing you to love God and people. Right? So maybe you've allowed yourself to be consumed with what others think of you. Maybe you feel like you don't belong here because you're not dressed like everyone else or or, or because you don't look or act like everyone else. Maybe you assume that because you have that particular sin struggle that nobody could ever understand or accept you. And then subsequently there's no place for you. Maybe you think the church is, you think of the church as something that's like you're looking from the outside in on. Like when you talk about the church, maybe you talk about what they are doing rather than what we are doing, right? If any of that sounds familiar to you, then you're not alone. Like this probably, and I hope in many ways, it sounds familiar to all of us because this is the struggle we all tend to have in one way or another. And so if you're here this morning, which you are, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for pressing through all of that mess because this is our message, right? So we press through that noise and we press into the truth. And so for the rest of our time, I want to walk through this passage and I want to point out two ways that we can tend to reject God's call to join within the body of Christ. I want to use two groups of people to illustrate. I'm going to point out two groups that are actually in this passage to illustrate this. The first group is characterized by inferiority. And the second group is characterized by superiority. But both groups are characterized by self-centeredness. So here's what I want you to get this morning. If you get nothing else, here's what I want you to get. God has designed a U-shaped space and place in our body. Not only for you but the person beside you. This is a reminder for some. This is news for others, right? God has designed a U-shaped space and place in our body, not only for you, but also for the person beside you. I don't want you to just think about yourself here. I'm intentionally trying to get you to think about other people, okay? And so remember, Risen Church is not simply an event that we attend, it's a people we belong with. And so the message this morning isn't simply an encouragement, it's an invitation to take part and to enter in and to invite others to do the same. 
like to take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on Jesus. And when we do that, we'll begin to see each other through his eyes with those gospel glasses. And so look back with me at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And it says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is, with Christ. And so Paul here, the author of this letter to the Corinthian church, he's already talked to them about the fact that their local expression, the Corinthian church, was a local expression of Christ's body upon the earth. Guys, this is not just an illustration or a metaphor. This is a profound mystery, and there's a lot of depth to it. He's already talked to them about this earlier in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 6, verse 15, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Or, or in chapter 10, verse 16, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in, in the body of Christ? So he's already set up this idea, this concept, this picture, this illustration, this object lesson of who we are, so to speak. It's familiar to him already. So by the time we get to chapter 12 here, this isn't just an illustration for them. They're starting to catch the mystery taking place in their midst. And it's got deep spiritual implications for all local church bodies. There's a unity. There's a power and a presence here that goes beyond simple organizational structures. Verse 13, look at this. He says, for in one spirit we were all blessed into one body. And no, this doesn't just pertain to risen church, right? We are a body that is a part of an even larger universal body, right? Praise God for the churches in our city and in our state and in our nation and in our world. But the local church is who he's specifically writing to here. And so he says we are all, all as individuals, baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so again, there's a blatant picture of unity in diversity here. Oneness, yet not sameness. We talked about this last week in, in talking about the Trinity. There's an expression here of God himself, oneness and not sameness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one divine nature. What? It's mind-boggling. And yet, if you think you've figured that out, that means you think you're God. There's a reason that we can't understand things completely, and yet the truth that is revealed, we can stand firm upon. Amen? And so there's this blatant picture here, and it is extremely inclusive. And yet, there's one primary necessity above all that does make it exclusive. There's one thing that matters above all else. Say one thing. It's faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the one thing that matters. See, this is the gospel, that God became a man. And he lived the life that we couldn't live. And he died the death that we all deserve to die because of sin. And he rose from the grave through the resurrection. And he paved the way to eternal life with God Almighty. But it's not just an eternal life that starts one day when we die. 
It's an eternal life that begins the moment we place our hope and our faith in what Christ has done for us through the cross and resurrection. It's not just something we're waiting for. It begins right then. And he engages us and he embraces us and he fills us with his spirit and he indwells us and he changes our hearts. He begins to change our hearts. doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sin anymore. But it does mean that you're not the same person anymore. And suddenly you actually want to struggle with sin. Suddenly you care with the things that break the creator's heart. And he begins to change you from the inside out. He even begins to change your desires and your affections. And he fills us to overflowing. And that same spirit that he fills us with is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. It's the same spirit that now dwells in you. That same spirit that indwelled the Corinthians, right? It's the same spirit that indwelled the Ephesians and the Colossians. And it's the same spirit that indwelled the early church. And it's the same spirit that indwelled the church in the 1400s and the 1500s and the 50s and the 60s. And it's the same spirit that indwells us today. Like whether you're the Apostle Paul or a recovering crack addict, It's the same Spirit. If you're in Christ, it's the same Holy Spirit. And so when we lean into His Spirit, we align with His heart and His commission, and He begins to move in power for His purpose through us and His body upon the earth. And so we become His hands and His feet. Like we become the expression. Think about this. As the local church, you become the expression on his face to the world. You become the sound of his voice to this world. Like, I hear this all the time. People talk about how lonely they are, and and they just wish God were actually more personable, relational, maybe even physical. Someone they can touch and feel and talk with and hug. But oftentimes those people are kind of like victimized and they feel isolated and they're like, man, and oftentimes they are isolated from real gospel community because listen to me, if you want a hug from God, hug somebody who's been bought by His grace and filled with the Spirit. Serious. Like one of my favorite things to do is to gather around people as a community group. Like in our community groups, I love to gather people and then gather around one particular person and just pray over them. Just go around and just pray over that person. Like if you've ever experienced something like that, then you know that there's nothing like it. Like you, even as the people who are praying, you feel God's heart for that person. And if you're the one who's getting prayed for, that's a divine hug. There's nothing like it. It's hard to explain how palpable his presence is when we do that. And we lay hands on people and we pray over them and we love them with the love of God. It's like being embraced by Jesus himself. And so it's through gospel community that he desires to heal those places of pain or wounding in each other's hearts. And I'm not saying that gospel community won't rattle those things either. By no stretch of the imagination is this a church, a perfect church, because there is no such thing as a perfect church. All churches are designed to need grace and demonstrate grace. 
Because if we were perfect people, then we would have no need to offer forgiveness or receive forgiveness and operate in humility. And why, by doing that, we proclaim grace, not self-righteousness or perfection. Grace. This is where he begins to shore up those anxieties and those insecurities with his mercy and Grace, it's where he desires to soften even the hardest or coldest hearts and to thicken even the thinnest, most overly sensitive skin. There's a song, it's about 15 years old now, which makes me feel old, um, called Hosanna. Better remember this song, Hosanna? And there's a prayer in this song that captures it really well, and I love it because it reminds me of times in my life where I needed this and I prayed this and I've belted it out. And I'm like, man, it'll get in you when you pray this. So whether you know the song or not, I want to encourage you to begin praying this prayer. It says this. I'm trying to get it out. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. Woo! Like, is that the cry of your heart? Like, is this your prayer? I pray that this would be your prayer. Even today, let this be the prayer of risen church. Let this be our prayer as we're playing games and eating and talking and celebrating Jesus. May we pray it over each other. Right now, even, God, heal our hearts and make us clean. Open up our eyes to the things unseen. Give us those gospel glasses and show us how to love like you have loved us. Like, show us how to love like you have loved me. Show me how to love like you've loved me. Guys, this is the Spirit. This is what He does in and through His church, and this is what He does through His church to this world. And when we fall short, again, His grace is on display as we offer grace and we receive it in Christ. This is what a gospel-centered and spirit-powered church looks like. And guys, it is an honor to partner with you all in this. But again, we inevitably face these challenges of our flesh and our sinful nature, which point us away from Jesus and toward ourselves, toward our pride or toward our shame or toward our sensitivities or whatever it is, or suspicions. Our sin gets in this. Now look at verse 14. And, and, and the Apostle Paul is addressing it right here. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Do you see it? But as it is, God arranged, said, God arranged. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so the first group that he's speaking to here are paralyzed by inferiority. Maybe this has been a struggle that you've faced 
in the past or maybe even currently. Maybe you don't think that you really have a place in the church because you're not like other people that you see in the church. Maybe you feel like you don't belong because you're not an ear or an eye. Maybe you see a bunch of people that are kind of like eyes or ears or mouthpieces or whatever it is. Maybe you think everybody here knows so much more about the Bible or theology than you, and so you don't belong. You should go to the church down the street. Or maybe even just, eh, not worth it. Like, it seems like everybody's so much smarter, or you're scared to say anything because you don't want to look like an idiot. Maybe you feel like you've got something to, everybody seems to have something to bring to the table in order to be accepted or, or, or fit in. Guys, that's, not how Jesus operates. Like, that's how the world operates, for sure. You want to fit in, you need to bring something to the table. Pull your weight. It's not how Jesus operates. Now, we do need to lean in and catch his heart for people and what he's doing in the mission. And there's definitely a place for sacrifice and, and, and all of those things, but listen to me. You're not accepted by how well you work for God. That's not what this is about. Like your value and your dignity and your worth in this fallen world is often determined by what you have to offer. And if you don't have much to offer, then you're less important. But that's not how Jesus calls us to operate. He flips that completely upside down and he says, look, honestly, you're not bringing a whole lot to the table anyway. Right? Like, he's not after what you can do for him, because the truth is, you got nothing he needs. You got nothing God needs. He's not up there like, man, I wish they would surrender their lives to me, because I'm just so lonely. What? He's the king of glory. He's perfectly content in himself. He doesn't need us but he does desire you, which makes that desire so much deeper. He loves you. You don't have what he needs, but you do have what he desires, and that's your heart. He desires you. He loves you. He values you on a level that we can't honestly comprehend. He has chosen you, and you know why? Yeah, I don't either. Seriously. Like, I don't know. He just says this one's mine, and he begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to pursue us. The question is, will you accept that, or do you need to prove yourself? Guys, he's calling us to tap into his love for others and to value and love them with the same worth and dignity that he views them with and bestows upon them. So if you're trying to earn his love, listen to me, you're going to expect everybody else to earn his love also. That's not Christianity. It's not about what we can bring to the table. It's just about whether we're willing to pull up to the table that he's already prepared for us in Christ and dig into fellowship with the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ. This is what we do, and this is who we are. 
It's the table that where that unique way that his love shines through you highlights his character and his goodness and his beauty and his glory to everyone around you. Not because it's about you, but because it's about him. So if you're here today and you feel left out because you're not in a CG or a community group or, 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 you, or, or even you hear people say CG and you're like, I don't know what that means, right? It means community group. They meet throughout the week. They're fantastic. But if you're like, I'm not in one, so I feel left out, or, or you feel like you don't know enough people, or you don't feel like outgoing enough, or you don't have the right clothes on again, or you're not funny enough, or you're just like, I don't jive, whatever, you know. Or you're just feeling insignificant for whatever reason, like you don't belong. Listen to me. If you're a Christian, first group. If you're a Christian, and that's what you're thinking. If you're a grace-bought, spirit-filled child of the Most High King, unconditionally loved and accepted by the Creator of the universe, and that's what you're thinking, what do you think is going through the minds of those who don't know Him yet? It's like, if that's what you're struggling with and you're in Christ, what about those that don't know Him yet? And have operated the way the world operates and their hearts are hardened to all this stuff. And they try and, there's these defense coping mechanisms, ways of operating that's kind of like, ah. Like what do you think is going through the heads and hearts of those who haven't received unconditional love and grace in Christ? And yes, they're here this morning. Praise God! If that's you, behold your Savior and your king, and go love on others in the unique way he's created you for. God, show me how to love like you've loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am, say everything, for your kingdom's cause. Now, maybe you're that unbeliever. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. Maybe you don't understand this yet, and you're just kind of just, just getting a glimpse of things here. First of all, I'm so glad you're here. Again, it's not a coincidence that you are. I hope you feel welcome here. I truly do. But whether you do or not, the invitation to know the King of Glory is on the table. Will you take your seat? It all starts with Jesus, with who He is and who you believe or what you believe He's done for you. That's what this is all about. God, guys, God, God, guys, God <laughs> has designed a U-shaped space and place for you right here in our body. Not just for you, but also the person beside you. So if God places an opportunity to minister or encourage or pray or just listen and love on people, take it. Right? Don't think, oh, the pastor would be better at this. Oh, that's a big question. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm paralyzed right now. I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing. If you're in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in you, and he's placed the opportunity before you, enter in. Enter into that thing. They may not need a mouthpiece in that moment. They may simply need an ear. Be the ear. And desire them to be a better ear, even the best ear that God can be through you, right? Like this is part of what it means to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. 
Like we never say, oh, well, because I don't have the gift of evangelism, then there's no need for me to tell people about Jesus. That's some nonsense, right? We're called to do the work of an evangelist. We all are. And if you don't know whether you're extraordinarily gifted at it or not, pray and ask for it and step out in faith. Same goes for mercy or service. We don't just ignore opportunities to serve others or, or help those in need simply because we don't think we're gifted at it. We're all called to do these things because these are the things that God loves. And so we cry out, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And as we do, his spirit flows in us. His rule and reign begins to break out and flood our world on earth as it is in heaven. So don't let inferiority hold you back from what he's calling you to. Now the other group here, is actually a bit more subtle. Like, it's much easier to identify in this in others than it is in ourselves. Like, it's not uncommon for this group to be completely unaware that they fall into this category. It's the category of superiority. Most people in one way or another, at some point or another, find themselves in the first category of inferiority, right? Like, we all kind of struggle with that. But then they think, well, if I'm feeling inferior, clearly I can't also be feeling superior, don't be so quick to write that one off because it's much more prevalent than you might think. You can battle with inferiority and superiority at the same time. It's the same reason pride and shame are just two sides of the same coin or opposite ends of the same spectrum. Both are tormenting reactions to the other and both are the ways that this world operates, not Jesus. Look back at verse 21. We're going to roll through here so you guys can get some food. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. So he's talking about private parts here, right? Some of you just woke up and you're like, what? So he's, what he's saying here is that just because we don't go around flaunting our private parts doesn't mean that they aren't important. He's also saying you shouldn't do that, right? <laughs> That's a bad idea. But the opposite, though, is true. What he's saying here is that we treat these parts with greater modesty because they are very important, even indispensable or essential. So he's talking about everyone being an essential part, whether you're front and center or maybe in the background. Everybody matters. It's not about some things being superior to others, right? Or some people being superior to others. Verse 25, and he says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So again, he addresses the mentality of superiority here. Those who feel like they have no need for body parts or, or people uh, in, in the church who aren't like them, like, like I'm only going to value people who are ears, like me. As if making disciples means making carbon copies of ourselves and other people. But that's not what this is all about. This is about pointing one another to Jesus and fanning into flame that unique gift that he's placed within each person. So if you find yourself only valuing people who have your personality or your gift set or your preferences this superiority issue may be an issue for you. Like you may find yourself thinking 
of people who have like more artistic expressions as interesting, but not super helpful or valuable. Like you might think that mercy-oriented expressions are helpful, but not really necessary, right? Like it's really about the word of God, not really helping others. What? See how we need everything? After all, the real value, somebody might think, is in the teacher. I mean, true Christianity is in how much information we can store up and spit out, right? Like it's really about who can read the most books, right? But let's be super honest, none of it really matters unless you've led at least 12 people to Christ per week. I mean, that gift of evangelism is really where it's at. Everybody else just kind of is like JV, Junior Varsity Church. The truth is God uses all of these extraordinary gift sets for his glory and the Great Commission. And we're all challenged to grow, whether it's mercy, service, evangelism, creativity, and beauty, administration, or even the miraculous things. We've got to learn to fan into flame the gifts that are within us and in one another and not pigeonhole ourselves in either categories. Again, it's not about just one of any one of these things. We need each other to keep our eyes on the greater glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ expressed in and through his people. And I praise God for the way he does it in and through Risen Church. And we value the way the Spirit manifests and we learn and we grow and we mature in Christ together. Not holding our preferences as priorities. Otherwise, we just turn into a church full of ears, right? Nothing gets said because we send all the mouths to the church down the street, the mouth church, right? Or a church full of mouths not, and nothing gets heard. Or a church full of feet just running from one thing to the next and just hands. You see how it goes. Illustration's clear. But we need everyone. There is a U-shaped space and a place for you and the person beside you in our church This requires grace. It requires patience. Because ultimately, this is all about the state of our hearts. Are we focused on him, not ourselves? Remember, our unity all flows from our unity in Christ. Jesus is primary. His word is primary. It's through his word and his presence that we drink deeply of this same spirit. Everything else is secondary. So while the gospel itself is offensive... People don't like to be told I'm a sinner. They don't like to hear about a lot of this stuff. The gospel is itself offensive, but nothing else should be. Amen? So the call here is for there to be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Now, division often hides in the attitudes of our hearts. It can tend to make its way out eventually outwardly, right? But that divisiveness can actually hide in the secret places of our hearts for a long time until it suddenly manifests in how we love and receive each other. So I pray and I want to encourage us all to let God's word and spirit just begin to root those things out and be rid of it, to even be on guard against it. As we, as Romans fifteen seven put it, accept and welcome one another as Christ has accepted or welcomed us. So somebody welcome somebody today, right? Somebody will encourage somebody today, and let's look to Jesus as our cornerstone, as our good, good father, as we put on these glasses and love somebody. I'm honestly so thankful for the way the Spirit does this in and through our church. Let's pray.